I just want to get straight into it, because um, particularly you're coming up for camp next week, it is going to be a significant time for you, and I think that you need to prepare yourself for it, uh, because um, you... And I'm not just saying this because I've been tracking with you for, for many years. I mean, the, I look around, there's lots of people I don't know, which is a wonderful thing. It's a, and, and I'm hoping that every time I continue to come, I'll keep seeing um, more and more new faces, um, because that's, whoa, because yeah. that's the life of the church. Should I be closer or further away? What should I be doing? Something wrong? Yeah, that's right, that's right, right. Um, but I just, I want to start off with, um, you need to be sitting down, you need to listen to this, Scotty. Um, <laughs> and I'm like the auntie. Uh, auntie can come in and say stuff and then just leave, see you later. Uh, yeah, so I, I want to start off with, um, I, there's a scripture that I read out during the prayer um, today, and it's, it's from Zephaniah 3.17. Really, really unfamiliar to most of you. I would be surprised if, if, if um, some of you know it. I hope that you, some of you do know it. But it, it says in Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. And it's such a beautiful um, uh, piece of scripture because in the Hebrew, that word, the last rejoice, literally means that he spins around, which is quite bizarre when you think about it. But that's the, the amount of delight and love that he has over us. I mean, you can go and search it out yourself. Look up the Hebrew. It's like, it literally means almost like he spins like a top. So, you know, before those guys were doing crumping and doing the, you know, the whatevers, it's like he was doing way, way before. Um, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He, he will take great delight in you, and in his love he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. And I just want to say over you as a community, the Lord your God sings over you. He is pleased with you. He's pleased with what you're doing. He recognises the, 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 the um, successes and the failures. He recognises the battles and the, the, the winnings and at times um, being, being forced back by the enemy. He recognises it all. And the Lord wants to say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Scotty, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. Because I know that you, um, where, where you are now, is not where, you, uh, where he's wanting you to go. It's like... This, uh, you, there's something about you that is, you know, I even find it sort of quite ironic that, that he's talking about the prophetic at camp um, next weekend. And I think we might have talked about even me coming that, to the camp, but I couldn't come. But you know what? I know that it's right because it actually is about you speaking into your own community. And it is about this whole area of the prophetic. Because what we've done is that we've downgraded prophecy just to be someone that stands up the front and gives you a prophetic word you know like a you know like a, like, like the, a lotto or you know someone standing up and just you know giving oh look I've come and gone um, so it's just you know someone like a fortune teller but it's far more than that it's much greater than that prophecy is God speaking and us being able to hear what he's saying and communicate out what he's saying that's as simple as it is 
And it's not just through communication through uh, like verbally, but it's the way that we live our lives. It's the way that we live our lives as individuals. It's the way that we live our lives as community. And I, I have a sense that, um, that God is speaking to you as a community, but because he's speaking through you as a community. And, and as I shared with some of the leaders today, this, this whole sense of this, this coming together of, of what's taking place with Blueprint and you know, the, the, the Anglican Diocese, um, there's, God is speaking into it. But you've got to be able to see what he's doing and hear what he's saying. Because we can go, oh, this thing is just happening, or this random thing has just happened, or this coincidence. We've got to grow up as followers of Christ and recognise God is speaking, what is he saying to me, through me, through our community. There's, a, there's prophecy that's going on at the moment with this connection that's going on between Blueprint and, um, and the diocese. God is saying something. What is he saying? So this, I want to leave you, like give you some homework, I guess, because you, you need to go away in preparation for this camp that's coming up. And if you don't, if you were thinking about not going, I really, you know, if you're a part of this community, you need to go, all right? Um, if it's finances, just talk to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously. If it's, I, I will. I'll put some money. I'll put some putia in. If that's an issue, I mean it. Because I just, I, there's something about what God is saying to you as a community that you would pick this up and go, yes, this is me. I own this. I want to stand in this, because um, there. I am convinced that, that, that there's the presence of the Lord is moving and building in our nation. But what is he saying and what is he doing? And we of all people should be knowing what he's saying and what he's doing. You know, I just, I, I'm um, astounded by prophecy that's happening outside of the walls of the church. And the church doesn't even know that God is speaking. We've got to be responsible. God, what are you saying? And that's why, I, you know, look, I love this, is that he's a mighty warrior over you as a community. He loves you. You are, you are blessing him. He's spinning like a top over you. <laughs> actually, like that picture is like spinning like a top, you know, on his head. Honestly, you can actually search it out yourself. Find out the Hebrew word for it. It's, it's pretty crazy, but that's... Because we look at this God high and exalted, high and lifted up. But the degree of love that he has for us just like makes him wild, ecstatically wild with love for us. And that's the most crazy thing of all, isn't it? That's the God that you love. That's the God that you serve. That's the sort of God that loves you. How do you respond to that sort of love? Well, you've got to give yourself wholeheartedly. You know, wouldn't if we, we if we saw that sort of love coming from someone, how do we respond? Either we go, man, that's too crazy for me, or we give ourselves wholeheartedly back. And if there's anyone that can be trusted, surely it's God. It's the love of our life. It's the one that, as Scotty was saying, that that we that we would willingly give our lives for. You know, I, I shared I was at Lyle Bay um, this morning, and I shared a little bit of my testimony and. You know, I've, I 
I discovered this God. I, I knew him my whole life, but the reality of who he was hit me. Um, that, and and um, I came to this amazing revelation of who, who Jesus was for me. And I started running for him, and I've never stopped. And that was 32 years ago. And I, 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 I say it without shame. It's like I'm not, I'm not trying to you know, say, oh, you know, I'm awesome. It's just that I was captured by somebody that I haven't been able to let go of. And, you know, and at times it's like it's been very difficult. And at times it's been very, very, very difficult. But at times it's been incredible and exceedingly incredible. You know, so I just, it's like the, through the ups and downs of this life, I just, I wouldn't change anything, you know, and I've, I've had some pretty, you know, crazy things that have gone on in my life and, and, and I've reached a point where I've said to the Lord, whether I live or die, my whole life is connected. I am woven into you and you are woven into me. True understanding of what Raranga is. And, and, um, and so that gives me the mana to be able to stand up here and speak about this one who sings over you, who dances over you. So I call you up tonight, Blueprint Community. I call you up to, to be the sort of people who can live under the shadow of that love. Because there's a responsibility that's at place when you, um, that if you want to be a part of this community, there's a responsibility. Oh. Welcome back, no my Heidi my. We've missed you. I said to Janine today there was a, like a gap that was missing when you weren't there today. It was it was it was quiet, yes. <laughs> so um yes, so I, I wanted to start with, with that because you know I um because I feel it's it, with that sort of connectivity there's a responsibility that you have in the way that you live your life. And I'm not saying it's not under the law, because, you know, by no means do I, I live a perfect life, although, you know, I'm, I might appear that I do. No, <laughs> that's not true. And, you know, I, I'm, we of all people know our own weaknesses and our own flaws. And, and I'm, I know I've got issues, and, you know, I'm still trying to, you know, work them through. But, but in saying that, I just... We of all people have to live our lives the utmost for his highest. And you've been given an opportunity as a community to live that sort of life. You've you got to do something about that. And I shared this morning this, the, um, a story out of the book of Ruth. And I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with that story. It's only four chapters. It's a beautiful little story. It's a story of redemption. It's a, it's a picture of who Jesus is for us, that he comes as our kinsman redeemer. Um, and through the, through the thread of that story is the whakapapa of Jesus. And the, and the thing that I love about the, the story of Jesus is that there's all these bad bits in his whakapapa that you know a lot of us would, would prefer to throw into the closet and not tell anybody. Well, it's in his lineage. You know, if you, if you read the genealogy of Jesus, he's got Tamar, who became a prostitute. So that, I mean, it's pretty, are you ready for this? Are you okay? This is in the Bible, right? Um, who, you know, because her, her father-in-law wasn't, um, didn't do right by her because her, her husband had died and he was supposed to give the, the next um, son to her so that she could have a child in honour of, of the, the son that had died. He wouldn't do it. So she ends up dressing as a prostitute, 
meets him, has sex with him, has a child. I know, it's pretty, pretty out of it. That's in the whakapapa of Jesus. As is this woman, Ruth, who was a Moabite, and the Moabites weren't, the, the Moabites weren't able or were allowed to connect with the children of Israel because the, the Moabite women um, met with the, the, uh, the Israelite men and you know they, they got together, they hooked up, and it caused a whole bunch of issues. So the, um, she's in Jesus' whakapapa as well, as is Bathsheba. You know, so it's like the, all, it's incredible um, that this this lineage is there. So, you know, there, there's all these these closet these, these skeletons and closets that 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 Jesus readily um, shows himself, which gives us the grace that all our skeletons are going to be okay before him, because we've all got skeletons and closets somewhere. So, um, so this story of of Ruth is that. Um, uh, it's that there was a famine that took place in Bethlehem, and the name I've, I've called this um, "remaining in the house of bread," because Bethlehem means the house of bread. So it says in, at the beginning of the book of Ruth that a famine occurred in Bethlehem, which means a famine happened in the place of bread. And it says that um, Elimelech and his wife Naomi and their two sons ended up going over to Moab. I'm, I'm, I'd like to be able to pull it apart a little bit more, but uh, for the sake of time, what I want to say to you is that um, Elimelech, whose name means God is king, didn't trust God as his king. Because as soon as famine hit, he took off. Because he just thought, oh, this, this thing, uh, you know, like, um, I don't know if God's going to be able to help us. So he went over to the land of Moab. Now, the, the thing about Moab is, um, <coughs> again, talking about icky stories, <coughs> Moab was um, born, his name, the, the, as a man, his name was Moab, where the, the children of, of Moab came, the Moabites, who were the enemy of the children of Israel. So we're familiar with the story of Abraham, yes, Lot. Lot was the nephew of Abraham. Abraham wasn't supposed to take out his nephew Lot, but he did. So again, so at the beginning, we, we begin to see that God says something, we do something else. God fixes it up, we do something else. And this, this continuation of God trying to make right what we do wrong. Because always the promise is that, that um, God will always turn the, um, that which the enemy sought to evil for good. If we will yield ourselves and allow him to do that good in us. Okay, I'm speaking really fast, I know, because I've got a limited amount of time. But are you tracking with me? Are you with me? Right. So there we go with, um, so we've got Lot. He ends up, Sodom, bad skitar going down there. If you don't know what skitar is, it's the Greek word for something, which I could leave you to think, you know. Let me give you a clue. When something hits the fan, it's the skitar. So it actually is the Greek word for for that stuff hitting the fan. So this guitar is hitting the fan in Sodom, and so the angel comes and says to Lot, you've got to get out of here, you know, bad stuff is going down. And so, so this is at the beginning, So because the, the end result is that the two daughters of, of Lot have sex with him to have children because they want to keep the lineage of their father alive. Bad way to do it. But that's what they do. So we go, well, that's a bad thing. Why did God allow that to happen? Right, you've got to start at the beginning. That this thing was happening with Lot. 
There were two men that were betrothed to the two daughters. They didn't want to stay with the two daughters. The second thing that happened is that the angel says to, the, to Lot's wife, do not turn back. Do not look at what's going on. Keep going. You're, you're, we're, we've saved you. You've got to head towards the hills. Keep, do, keep going. None of you turn back and have a look to see what, what's, going, what's going down in Sodom because it's a whole lot of guitar, right? So they're running, not looking back, except who turns and looks back? The, the wife of Lot. Okay, so she gets turned to a pillar of salt. So all these situations are, are in place now. I know, it's pretty brutal, isn't it? <laughs> salt anybody? <laughs> so um, so this, this bad stuff happens, but all this thing has been set up. It wasn't God's plan. He tries to write it. This other thing happens. Like So we put ourselves in the mix of this thing because we don't trust God. So that's what happens. So they, they go, well, how are we going to carry on the lineage of our father? Because there were no men, because they had escaped, and there's nobody else around except Lot and his two daughters. So that's what they did. And the oldest daughter had a son by the name of Moab, and the second daughter had um, a son by the name of Ammon. And that's where the two major enemies of Israel came from, the Moabites and the Ammonites. Okay? Tracking with me? So, this family in the time of, of famine, cross over to the Moabite country. You know what he was basically saying? I'm going to sort this out myself. We're facing famine. Can't look after my family. Even though my name is God as king, I actually don't see him and trust him that he actually is king. I'm going to try and fix this up myself. That's what's happened. That's, that's what happened in this story. And I want to recount the story tonight because I, I believe as a community, um, what you're heading into, do not try and sort the stuff out yourself. Some of you are in situations right now that you're going, man, I've been praying, I've been asking the Lord, and it's like I've been wanting this stuff to happen, and it's not happening. Do not go over to Moab, please. You've got to trust the situation that you're in right now. You've got to trust that God is with you. You've got to stay in the house of bread. Even though it might appear like it's famine, it's like what I've been praying for, this thing that's happening, it's not happening, and I've been wanting this thing to happen, and it's not. Stay in the house of bread. Trust that the, that the, the provider, that the warrior king, that the one that dances um, over you, the one that sings over you, will be your recompense, will come through for you. But we don't do it. And we end up trying to fulfill our own prophecies. We end up trying to fix our own problems. Because that's the way that the world behaves. Because we're seen as weak if we don't do anything. We're seen as weak if we go, no, I'm going to trust God for this. But that is our strength. Our strength is allowing God to be our strength. In weakness, that's what, um, that's what the Lord said to Paul. When you are weak, you are strong. And it said three times he, cr- he cried out to the Lord um, for, uh, he called it the, the thorn in his flesh. We don't know what it is. A lot of people surmise that it's this thing or that thing, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. All the, the, the most important thing is, is that the response from the Lord was that my, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. But we don't do weakness well. 
And this, as a community, that's one of the things that, that you, gotta, you, you have allowed to flourish, actually. And I don't mean that in a, in a, in a funny way. I mean it with, in, in, a, in earnest. It's like the way that you're, that you're seeking to live community, the way that you're seeking to do life, with, with people outside of your, you know, like um, your clique or the type of friends that you would have. It's like you are, you are seeking to live life the way that, that you believe Jesus, Jesus wanted it modelled. And I know that, and I feel that here. So in that story of um, Elimelech taking Naomi and the two sons into a place of self-sufficiency ended in disaster. But, and I love that how God redeemed it, because again, what, um, as Joseph said to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. That God can take an evil situation and turn it into something good. And he does it all the time, if we will allow him to do that. You know, I know people who get bitter over situations. Why did God allow that? Well, God didn't allow that situation that happened. They go over to Moab and, and he dies and the two sons die. You know, people can look at that situation and go, oh, God did that. Well, no, I don't think so. But the promise is that God can turn... A bad situation that at times is engineered by ourselves. We, we put ourselves into the bad situation. If we will yield ourselves to him, he can take that situation and turn it into good, which is amazing. He does it again and again and again and again for us. You know, even situations that are out of our control, he can turn them into good. Like I've shared the story before, you know, I got sick um, a few years ago. Five, I, I went through cancer. Uh, for, uh, five years this year, I'm, I've, I've been in remission for five years. Um, and because they say after five years, cancer free, yeah. But I, I knew that from the time that I was, um, was finished, I, I knew it was over. I knew that, that God had, um, had, um, had healed me, He'd done a work in me. Praise the Lord. But through the process of it, I was changed internally. It was amazing. I, I wish that I hadn't had to have gone through cancer for that to have happened. God didn't give me cancer. But I tell you, he certainly used it in my life. It completely transformed the way that I was living my life in communion with him. Because I've been um, a Christian for a long time. I've been in ministry for many, many years. And, and I didn't realise at the time... But I, I was at a point of, of doing ministry. I didn't know I was burnt out, but I didn't know how to get out of it. And because this is all I'd ever known. And then suddenly I was thrown into this, this, this other world, you know, where I got sick. And what it did, it forced me to confront some of the issues in my life. And, and the biggest thing that happened to me was that um, as I was going, because I, I, I had... I had to go through four operations, so over a whole year. So first operation was February, last one was December. So through that whole year, the transformation of my, um, of my inward way that I connected with God was transformed. So I, you know, I praise God that I went through it, and I can genuinely say that. You know, and whether I lived or died, because there was time I, I wasn't sure whether I, you know, because they just kept finding more and more, so it's like, I, I, I wasn't sure. But I'd come to a place of peace. It's like whether I live or died, I'm in Christ. I mean, it's a beautiful place to come to because I'm not afraid of death. You know, it's like, it just, it's death, where is your sting? It ain't here. 
I know where I'm going. I know what my, where my eternal home is. And I know that I can say that hand on heart for the Lord. It's the truth. But what, that, what it did going through that situation is um, I got insomnia. Because a lot of it was to do with the, the anaesthetics. It's like it just, you know, does crazy things. And, and there's probably some issue, you know, deep down. I was probably, there was, you know, um, I was worried. Um, I didn't feel it out, outwardly, but there must have been some stuff going on. So I got insomnia. I wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning, and that would be it. And so what I decided to do is that I wouldn't, um, I didn't get up. I didn't go and have a cup of tea. I didn't turn on the light, I didn't read, I lay in bed in the dark and started to commune. And this is, this is a huge thing for me that I, I'm so grateful for what I went through, um, is I, went, I transitioned from communication to communion. And my whole way of life before the Lord now has been transformed from that one situation. And so this, this evil thing that the, the enemy meant for, for bad, God turned into something amazing. And it transformed my life. So, you know, like I, I was allowed to transition out of, out of this bad situation. So, um, so I want to say to you tonight, he's worth it. You've got to be willing to lay your life down for him. This is not like the Rotary Club or Lions. This is something that is wholeheartedly we give our lives to. And some of you, you know, you're a bit younger in faith. Some of you, this might be like, what the hell is she saying? <laughs> some of you, it's just like, mm, I'm not sure about this. Some of you are like, yeah, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever state, um, stage that you're at, it's like, Jump on board because he's worth it. He really is. He's worth it. Um, I, this, we choose not to step over into Maui. We choose not to step into self-sufficiency. We choose not to try and fix our own problems. We choose to hold the tension of not, it not being fixed. And that's a difficult thing, isn't it? It's difficult. I know that. I've just started counselling again. It's like... <clears throat> I had a dream, and it was quite a scary dream, and I knew the Lord was speaking to me that I, I had to sort some guitar out. <laughs> so, um, he's giving us this opportunity. You know, hold the tension. Hold the tension of the waiting. Hold the tension of this thing's not going away. Hold the tension of I thought if I prayed enough that you know that would something would change. I hold the tension and stay in the house of bread. Remain in the house of bread as you're going through this. Okay. Um, I just I I wanted to finish this by um, just. Oh, some of you that, that were um, here, at, when I first started um, travelling, uh, I travelled for 16 years and then I, I took a break for three because that's when I got sick and then I've, I've just come back in the last couple of years. But um, I come across a, 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 a statement by a man, man called Count Zinzendorf. Anyone heard of Count Zinzendorf? He was born in 1700 uh, and he, German. Uh, and he was, a, he was a, um, a man that from a very early age, as a young child, 
he found faith in Christ, loved the Lord. And um, he started a community that, that came out of, of persecution. Uh, and th- this community began a prayer meeting that started and did not stop for over 100 years. Not just like an hour a day. They prayed 24-7, 365 days a year, after year, after year, after decade, after decade. They did not stop prayer for over 100 years. And this community that was started, that was birthed out of... um, It was adversity. Um, They called upon the Lord. And so this guy guy led it, Count Zinzendorf. 1727, this community started... So this is in modern um, East, East Germany now. And out of that prayer came mission. And they, they, they never grew big in their community uh, because they kept sending their people out. And I know that that's part of your ethos. That's, uh, that, 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 that the, as blueprint that you would be ones that would keep sending people out. You know? And hold true to that. Because it, it's not, as we know, it's not about the, the you know, the, the most bums on seats, who's got, the, who's got the, the biggest congregation wins. We know that that's not the case at all. It's like, um, and so the, this, this community, I know that, and I believe you will keep growing, because I, I mean, even, even to see the growth here is wonderful. And I, I believe you'll keep growing, but you're not going to be like, you know, huge. You're not going to be, I don't know, a thousand people. Wouldn't that be strange? Blueprints of thousand people. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... We're just planting churches. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, even the work that you're doing, you know, with, with the, um, the Anglicans. <coughs> so, um, but what happened is that they kept sending people out. And I, just, I even got the statistics here. I mean, this is pretty crazy statistics, to be honest. Um... Uh, that they sent out, in the first 150 years of their endeavour, they sent out 2,158 members overseas. You try and figure that out. They never grew more than 500 as a community because they kept sending their people out. And their people went out in arduous situations. The, the, the way that they got their motto, which is um, none live for themselves, or kahore te oranga o te tangata mō ia anake, that's, they, they, they didn't come up with that. <laughs> no man, well, then it was no man liveth unto himself, or none liveth themselves. The way that they got that motto, two 19-year-old young men, I call them boys because my age, 19 years old, my gosh, 19-year-old young men um, heard about the slaves in the Caribbean and they wanted to go and preach the gospel to them. And they were prepared to sell themselves into slavery to actually reach these people. And so they went, travelled to the ship with their family, and they were standing on the ship, and, the, and this is all documented, so I'm not making this up, that um, the family called out and asked the, one of the boys, please don't do this. And he stood there and he said, I do this, that the lamb may receive the reward for his suffering. So that was how they got their motto, that the lamb may receive the reward through his suffering. And they went out, and many of them, they took out their, um, all their worldly goods, was in a coffin. Not some slick Samsonite bag. <laughs> but their coffin, 
because they knew they weren't coming back. Many of them went out into, as soon as they hit places like Africa, they died because of the unknown diseases. There's, um, it was documented, a young woman, her name was uh, Anna. She went to the Americas, to the First Nations. She got uh, martyred, she got killed. They sent another 22 after, they kept sending people, the Moravians kept sending people, and they kept killing them. But they kept sending. Does that sound foolish to you? Well, it might sound foolish in the, in the, in the earthly way of thinking, but in the heavenly way of thinking, that's, that's not just heroic, that's the, that's the currency of heaven. Faith, belief, even the utmost to laying down of our own life. And, and so, so 22, and then the, uh, the, the 22nd person that went, that tribe turned to faith, turned to Christ. They gave their lives to Christ because they saw that they, people just kept coming and coming, willing to lay down their lives for something that they believed so fully that they were willing to give their lives for it. That's what counts. Those things are what count. And the way that we are called to live our lives has to be in opposition to the way that the world says that we're supposed to live. You know, one of the biggest um, uh, enemy that we're facing currently, I believe, um, it's lying. You know what, the, what we've, we call it now? It's got a cool name. It's called fake news. Because <laughs> fake news sounds better than lying. But it's lying. And I was talking to um, a beautiful man, a uh, friend of mine. Um, he's a, a true prophet, Tuturu prophet. And he talked about, he said, the, he said the atmosphere in the world now is, is like, um, the atmosphere is like treacle or golden syrup. And that atmosphere is lies. So everything, the currency of the economy is being run on lies. The way that politics is run is run on lies the way that you know all of the systems that are in place it's the, the it's run on lies so how do we stand against that how do we stand against that um degree of opposition well of course we stand and we tell the truth which is easy to say <laughs> but and i've known even myself like once the lord's revealed this and i've been really praying into it and and meditating on it and you know, like I, I'm, I say that I'm a truth teller. I, you know, that I, I, if, you know, if the um, desire to try and say like a little white lie, or it's a white lie, the white lie's a lie, um, to even do that, you know, to try and get away with something so that you don't look foolish in front of people. Even that, it's like God is, God is starting to really put the put stuff down. Going, that was okay then. It's not okay now. And it's like there's things that are being put in place now for the way that we live our life and um, the way that we display our life, the way that we stand against the enemy because it, we are facing um, an onslaught of wickedness, demonic wickedness. How do we stand in the face of that? And if, if you say that, you know, I'm not sure about the, you know, the you know, there's demons and stuff. Let me tell you there are. And they hate you. And their purpose is to see your life destroyed. And we are called to stand in the midst of that as community and display the power of the living God. That's why I love hearing that, that your story about healing. That 
is that's what breaks the power of the enemy because it's mystical. It's magical. It goes against what the, what the, um, the world says that that can happen. It confounds people. We should be confounding people. Do we? Do we confound people the way that we live our life? You know, I'm not pointing my finger at all. You know, if I'm pointing my finger, I've got some fingers pointing back at me. I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking this into my own life because I, I'm, I'm sensing and aware that things that we were able to get away with, it's like we just, we're coming into a time where we just can't. Because this river that's rising off the presence of God, running through our nation, is, is requiring something of us. And what are we going to do about that? You know, with, after this corridor, you are responsible. You can't go away and say, oh, I didn't know. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm sorry if I've offended any of you, but it's like, I've got to tell it the way that I see it. And um, because I'm seeing stuff as I travel around the country, because I, I travel up and down the country all the time, sharing the same message trying to raise up a people it's like come come prepare yourself get yourself ready and the the three key things that 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 prepare us and allow us to stand strong in in an, in an environment and an atmosphere that hates us and hates our message the three key key things is prayer worship and scripture they are the three um poe that have to be in your fare to hold you up so that you don't cross over into Moab when the going gets tough. That those po will hold you so that you can stay in the house of bread even when there's a famine. What does that mean? Well, it's like you're in Christ, but it's like, God, where are you? I'm praying and I'm asking and I can't hear your voice. It's like, what's going on? It's like, don't you love me anymore? Man, how many times I've said that to the Lord? You know, I was going through difficult times, and, and I, honestly, I look back and I go, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. But I go, oh, don't you love me anymore, God? I mean, it's ridiculous, but you know, because I'm the youngest of six, so I sort of got away with a whole bunch of stuff. I, I learned how to do the old, you know. <laughs> then realising it actually doesn't work with God. <laughs> but, you know, but learning how to, to build those things up in my life, because I don't want myself or any of you to have to cross over into self-sufficiency I'll do it myself because there's no life there Elimelech my God is king died in the place of self-sufficiency his two children Chilion and Marlon died in that place led by their father into self-sufficiency there's no life there we have to be willing and yielded to um, come to this place, God, whatever happens, whether I live or die, I'm staying in the house of bread. I will remain in the house of bread until you come through for me. And I want to say to you, if, if you make that commitment, it will be tested. <laughs> but he is faithful. He is faithful to do what he said. I've never been without. I have never been without. There's times I've, I've been in some crazy situation, situations around the world. I mean, like, seriously crazy. Been arrested by soldiers in Uzbekistan. Been interrogated, like, just crazy skitter. <laughs> but always, there was always a point to it. 
There was always a point because he was trying to, to get in here <laughs> to me. And I, I just want to finish. I've got time to share this one, one more story. So I just, this story, I was, um, I was flying from uh, Siberia into Uzbekistan. And it was crazy, sort of like, they, it's international, right? They're completely different countries. But I flew into the domestic airport. I know. So I get there. They're pretty sus. It's a lot better now, but they were pretty sus about, you know, foreigners. I, I get to the... Um, to come off the plane, there's a soldier there wants my passport. Freak out, because any of you that have been into countries like that, they take your passport, it's like they take your life. They take my passport, and then every, because uh, we land on the tarmac, everybody gets herded into a double-decker bus, not the double-decker, but the, you know, extra long with the squeegee in the middle. So everybody herds onto the bus, suddenly the soldiers make everybody get off, and me get on by myself. So everybody's staring at me, right? And I'm freaking out because I don't know what's going on. But I just have this, as the bus is taking off, I've got this overwhelming desire to work like the Queen. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I'm packing myself. I was like, yeah, boy. <laughs> so I get there. They interrogate me because they just want to know that. I don't even know. So I, apparently I don't have the right something or other, but an international flight that landed in a domestic airport, you know, I'm not in the wrong here, you guys. So once they realise that um, I'm not a threat, they, they usher me out the door, shut the door behind me, and I'm left with nothing, except my passport. I don't have anything. And I start asking people if they can help me. Nobody can't speak English. And I've, I've, I've always been self-sufficient. I'm strong, capable, it's, it's, you know, make a situation happen. And I realised for the first time in my life, there was nothing I could do. Because I just, you know, that, it's true about Kiwis have got that in, ingenuity. It's like we can actually just figure stuff out. You know, MacGyver's got nothing on us. We just, <laughs> we actually know how to figure stuff out. And especially in situations like that, it's like, there was nothing I could do. I kept asking people. People just like shoved me aside. I was left, and I didn't even know where I was. I was some in the bowels of a building somewhere. And I just thought, there's one thing I can do. I can cry. <laughs> so I sat down and started crying. So <laughs> and then the Lord spoke as clear as clear. It wasn't audible, but it just about was. He said to me, Cindy, do you trust me? And it's an easy thing to, when you hear God say that in... New Zealand. <laughs> Do you trust me? It's easy enough to go, yes, God, I trust you now. Would you please help me? It's, I knew that I had to respond truthfully to him. And I had to really think it through. Do I actually trust him in this situation? Because there was nothing I could do. And I thought it through and I said, yes, God, I trust you. And honestly, hand on heart, that's what he said to me. Well, chill out then. <laughs> <laughs> But he said, well, chill out then. And then I, I was sitting down, so it was after I'd had my little tangi-tangi, and I saw this woman who, she'd also been ushered out, and I thought, well, at least I might as well get the time, because it was a different time from, from um, Siberia to Uzbekistan. So I went up to her and I pointed to my watch to ask her what the time was, and she responded in English. So this is like, you know, a couple minutes after I'd done my, <laughs> do you trust me, yes, God, you know. And... Um, she responded in English, and as soon as she responded in English, I, I looked at her and said, can you help me? And again, hand on heart, 
Within an hour, I'd got my bags and I was in stay at the people that I was supposed to be staying with in Uzbekistan. Within an hour of that situation, one, not even an hour, it happened. Got my bags, got my guitar, got my because um, all the stuff I had for some dumb reason I stuck in my suitcase. The phone numbers, that you know everything I needed. Um, just I know, I know. <laughs> Don't judge me. <laughs> Seasoned traveller that I am. <laughs> Under an hour, it happened after he said, "Do you trust me?" He's worthy of that sort of risk, because that's what faith is. Faith is risk. What's your name? You, the blondie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got up. Yeah. What's your name? Esme. Esme. I just, I see you being a risk taker, man. I just like there's there's stuff on you, and you know what? You're gonna look behind you, and you you know when a um when a, a flight takes off and it's called the um what's the stuff it's called that the the, the what jet stream. The jet stream yeah man you you're gonna there's lots of people that are gonna get caught up in your in your slipstream, and and you've you've had situations where where it's been the enemy, not people. It's been the enemy that's tried to cut you down. And I just, I see almost like this axe trying to come at the tree, come at the tree, come at the tree, chop you down, chop you down, chop you down. But you know what? Your God has been standing for you on your behalf. And you, you I guess I've given myself goosebumps. You, you're going to, um, and you know what the, the, the Lord's going to do? He's going to raise you up in such a way he's going to laugh at the enemy through you. Because I see, in, as you, because you, you need to have faith to do this. You need to keep pushing out. And, um, and you, you, I want to pray for you because I, I feel like there's still words that are hanging around you because they're not the truth. They need to be broken off you. But I see like your slipstream. I see people being raised up behind you, coming up, coming up, coming up. That's your call. That's the destiny that God has for you. It's a great destiny. And that, is, that thing is over. That, 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 um, that curse that's been on you is now broken in the name of Jesus. I speak that over you right now in Jesus' name. I break the power of those words that spoke to try and cut you down. I break their power by the authority of the blood of Jesus over you right now in Jesus' name, Esme. And I tell you, you're going to look back. You're going to, you need to write this word down. You need to remember this. Because when you see those people begin to rise up behind you, you're going to know that is the word that I was told. So you have to believe this and rise up into it, okay? I'm still going to pray for you after. So, um, so this, this is the sort of life that we've been called into. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter that, you know, whether you think you've got a small call or a big call. That's rubbish. We've all been given these amazing gifts from, formed in our mother's womb. These amazing gifts that complement each other. That, that complement the Lord, that display his splendor. All of us. And we can't be people that compare ourselves to one another. That's what the world does. That shouldn't be a part of us as a community. Where we're looking at someone and saying we're better than them or we're worse than them. You know, it's just like we're called to be like the raranga. That, that, uh, as we're allowed, like the, the, the um, harakiki, you know, that comes in and forms the, the raranga that becomes like the, the kite that holds his presence, because it's his presence that the world needs. We know that, don't we? That you, as a community, back to you again, Blueprint, you are a community that has, you, there's a diversity to you. There's a welcoming of everybody and anybody that's amongst you. And it blesses the Lord more than you realise. 
the way that you've chosen to live your life because a lot of churches would not do that. And I'm not, I'm not bagging other churches at all because we are part of the body of Christ. That you've chosen to live your life where you um, allow all those in community come and be a part of who you are. You allow their um, harakiki, their ranga to come and to be woven into your ranga, to become this raranga, to find something that's fitting to carry his presence. And I want to say to you tonight, I want to say to you, the leadership team here, well done. I just feel like the Lord wants to say to you tonight, well done. Well done. Well done. I want to finish with a song, and then we're going to go into time of worship. And just allow this time to um, respond to him. I know this has been a big word, and I feel it. I feel the bigness of the word inside my puku. I know this is a big word for you, and I, I, and I feel like I've, I've, I've thrown something out. Receive it. Receive it wholeheartedly as much as you're able. As much as you're able to. Okay? Um, so I want to just do the song. Can we just put those, the words up um, wherever they go? Um, so that's the song, that, um, that receive song. So, um, so this is the, the, these guys I told you about, the Rovers.